0: Welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Hello and welcome back to The Near Memo. Today we have special guest Andrew Shotland, one of the local search OGs. And uh, as always, Mike Blumenthal is here and me, Greg Sterling, as we talk about all things local in search, social, and commerce. David Mim is on vacation. He'll be back. Maybe next week, maybe not. We don't know how long his vacation is. I think it's to the 8th, but we'll see. Um, And today we've got an exciting discussion about uh, renting versus owning uh, AI tools and automation and how will ChatGPT and related content creation tools impact the review landscape. So, Mike, I want to start with you. And you were struck by Miriam Ellis' article about local and renting versus owning. What was that about?
1: So it was also brought home by a tweet by Aaron Wakey, in which he went to some website, interacted with their chat, and then they took his email, which was annoying. But then instead of interacting with him after they emailed him, they just kept trying to get him to do a demo when all he had was a question. Um, and Miriam did an excellent piece at Moz, I guess it was last week, just about how business owners feel this loss of control over parts of the customer journey because Google has so much power. Reviews can be so devastating. You don't really, you can't, Google doesn't do a good job of taking down fake ones, et cetera. But what she pointed out from the research they did, which is that even though Google is a primary part of your funnel, 91% of your potential customers actually then move from Google, maybe on Google to interact directly with you. Either it's with a phone call, visit your website, driving directions. Uh, visit the website. So all of these things that shortly after the review process is completed by the, end of the customer journey that you are then in control. And what's important in those situations, which is pointed out in this article uh, in the Harvard Business Review called Stop Trying to Delight Your Customers, is that these processes need to work. If you have a form on your website and you haven't checked it lately and it goes into the ozone, or if you have a chat on your website, like with Aaron's case, it goes to email. These are not really functional communication, and all that sort of pre-sale stuff has to really work. You don't care if you get a latte with a haircut. What you care is if you can easily get an appointment, easily change it when things are when you need to. Same with an airplane. I mean, the epitome of bad service and. So she just points out that the bulk of that is in your control, that you do own all of those processes. And despite the loss of appearance of control, that you really do have that journey process. And you have to be sure that whatever you put in front of the customer really works, that you answer your phone calls, get back to them when they need it, et cetera. And it's a good example of the country is the airline industry.
0: So is the, so we should point out, Mike, that you're in a bar, right?
1: You know. I am
0: in a, uh, I'm actually in a coffee shop
1: in the Laurel Highlands. Well,
0: we we don't know. We, that was kind of a joke because it's the morning. It's like uh, oh. 8.30 when we're recording this or 11.30 for you. I guess it's less of the morning, but, um, but, you know, we have no idea when people listen to these things, so it might not sound as much of a joke in, in so just
1: in as, as measure of proof here.
0: Yeah. All right. I, I am
1: a straight and narrow kind of guy. That's well, an Irish coffee, Mike.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, is the is the is the idea that sort of implied in all this that 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 business owners have implemented all these tools and they're not really attending to to them or not really thinking about the customer experience? They're neglecting think, the customer experience. It's sort of hoping that the tools are going to do the work for them. I
1: think that Miriam's piece sort of tries to deal with the frustration of having to deal with Google for most small businesses. Not and empowering the business owner to make sure that because most of the interactions they do control, she doesn't really speak to these larger companies. I mean, I think they all fail, as you've pointed out so many times. They talk about delighting customers, but then they don't do the basic stuff, like reduce, which like reduce the need for repeat calls by anticipating and dealing with irritated downstream, you know, related downstream issues. It's like. <laughs> You need to set up a process that makes it smooth and easy. And it, and businesses control that. They own that. So, and they shouldn't forget that they own it. So, it doesn't matter whether you're small or big. I mean, Miriam's point is you own the processes, make sure they work. And chat's a really great example of one that typically Works poorly, may work better with AI at some point, but for the most part, unless it's fully staffed, and even when it is, it's one of these very frustrating experiences for most customers. So even though it, it to large companies seems like it reduces support costs, all it does is aggravate the end users.
0: Well, I mean, in a in a small business context, uh, I think that the business owner, but whatever the service or product that they're delivering yeah. is. Um, you know, there's all this sort of peripheral lead up to and follow up after that. But I think they have a lot of control over the quality of that experience. And if they just adhere to common sense principles and they act with integrity, a lot of the other things will take care of themselves. Um,
1: not not if they don't do things like check whether their forms are working. Or whether well, right. I mean, they have to chat that they can't staff adequately,
2: right? Um,
1: well, so
2: I, I, I think the, if I may butt in, I think yes, the biggest – the biggest innovation here and the thing I'm always amazed that more, especially large businesses don't do is like, Hey, we'll call you back. Give us your number. We'll call you back when we're, when we're ready. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I think everyone gets that. And it's, it's like, I don't want to sit on hold and wait for the chat bot to go talk to their manager and figure things out for 10 minutes. Just call me back when you're ready to, you have time. It can handle me. And I think that's the. A lot of companies do do that. A lot of companies do do that. Right. But a lot don't. Right. And many still don't.
1: And texting as opposed to chatting. I mean, I think Aaron like he's onto something that at least for many small businesses, it's a much more immediate thing. The business owner can have it in his pocket or the staff can have it in their pockets that it, and the customer can leave the computer. They don't have to sit there waiting for a chat bot to finally pass this off to a human. I mean, I had this terrible experience with Verizon a couple of weeks ago. It just was, it started out as a chat bot, went to a service person, Then they wanted me to call back Monday to cancel something. And it's like, oh my
0: God, this is just... Well, big big companies, multi-location companies are trying to push costs out of the system. And so they're using technology to minimize exposure to humans in many cases. And all these technologies make all these promises about efficiency, about customer satisfaction. And in eight out of 10 cases, they don't really deliver against those and they create frustration, which is... Not the outcome that the brand wants. Um, you know, I, I wrote yesterday in our newsletter that I think that AI has the opportunity to improve those those chat experiences. You know, the the first line chat is just an FAQ kind of IVR rendered in text. If this, then that. You know, or whatever, and you and you really don't get any information from those uh, unless it's very rudimentary. AI has the potential to improve that process for a wide range of questions. But I agree that, um, you know, small businesses tend to do a better job, not always. Small businesses don't follow through a lot of the time, but they tend to do a better job with service than bigger brands for the for the most part. Um, Mike, did you want to say any more before we go on? No, to
2: just I thought Miriam did a great job with her article. Right, Greg, I have to ask before we move on, Was was that chime I heard, a, a Rome calendar reminder?
0: Uh, I do not have Rome, and it was not on my end. It must have been uh someone making a toast uh
2: in but in the background. Okay. The mics.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not on Rome. Are you? Are you using that?
2: Yeah, actually, yeah, I've been using it as a since as a since an alpha. Um, yeah, we really like it. Uh, but the the calendar reminder chime is way too loud. <laughs>
0: uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not using it. I I think I think the the timing on that is is less desirable. I mean, maybe it's an interesting product. I got a quick demo of it, the timing yeah. on it, on it, you know, if they'd introduced it like a year earlier it would have hit the market exactly at the right time, but we're not talking about Rome. This is, no. I don't want to digress. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want yeah. to digress. So, so, uh, Andrew, you wanted to talk about automation t- trends you see going on in the agency world and big data. How does that all come together?
2: Yeah. So, um, I, I think everyone obviously is talking about AI and and, and, um, and AI is like a sub subtopic of automation when it comes to at least agencies and SEO or in-house SEO as well. Um, and it was interesting. I was talking to a big um, SERP data provider a couple of nights ago, um, and they said every agency they're talking to is working on some kind of automated analytics solution for dealing with large data sets. Uh, and so we're, I I was happy to hear that because we've been working on stuff like that for a couple of years. And, um, our theory being that there right now, if you're, if you're dealing, let's say with small businesses, there's not, you don't need a ton of data to make decisions, but the minute you, you get more than a handful of locations, you have to start looking at things at scale. And looking at things at scale, like search results across hundreds of thousands of keywords in different markets, you can't just get a data dump from SEM Rush. Um, you need to like actually have systems in place to kind of look at that stuff at scale and be able to basically figure out a way to get actionable insights from it. So, uh, so I was kind of very encouraged to hear that a lot of agencies are working on that. Um, so, um, my. My thinking is like if you don't have a developer or two on staff right now and you're an agency or even an in-house person and you're doing SEO for more than a handful of sites or a handful of businesses, like you need to kind of rethink that.
1: I heard there's a lot of uh, ex-Microsoft meta and uh,
2: Twitter engineers available. This week. That's word on the street. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be a little expensive for for us cheap agency owners, but um, uh but it's, I think it's really where you're going to get a competitive advantage over time.
0: It's uh, just a quick, uh, I, I, I don't want to digress too much, but you triggered a thought. I, I was watching uh, a video on TikTok, and this was a guy who was giving advice, presumably to laid off uh, Microsoft, Twitter, Google employees. Right. And he was saying, you were making four hundred to $500,000 as a senior developer or as a senior engineer. Before and now, you have to you're you know you have to be willing to take a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar job.
2: <laughs> yeah. you
0: know, you know, and I just thought, what a distorted environment uh, uh, that we're all living in. But um, you know, back to your back to your point. So what 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 would be your advice to agencies? I mean, you're, you're saying develop these tools, have have developers accessible. I mean, we, it really feels like we are entering into a new world. I mean, you're, you're talking about longstanding issues with multi-location businesses, but with all the AI stuff, it really, really feels to me like we're on the cusp of, of a new way of working in across the board. Um, yeah. whether these tools deliver against the promise or not is a different question, but just, it's a kind well, of, we're,
2: we're, we're fortunate because we have, um, a, a developer who's skilled in AI and machine learning. And so, um, we're, we're jumping on the bandwagon like everyone else and we're, uh, we're right now trying to figure out the right process for putting AI into our workflows. Uh, so, as an example, we're going to do a uh, roll out a test uh, next week. In fact, to a multi location um, business where we're going to update about a thousand location pages using partial partially using AI to kind of do it at scale to see if we can do something that's helpful and and scalable. So um, and then the trick is the trick is actually um, getting really good at modeling and prompting and then really good at editing. And um, and so I was talking to someone uh, yesterday and they were like, oh, AI is going to kill all these jobs. And I'm like, "Uh, it's not I think it's going to like for writers, I think it's going to shift the burden from actually like writing 500 words to editing 500 words and getting really good at prompt, at prompting these systems. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, knowledge to be gained by, because it'll enable us to implement stuff quicker. So as an example for a thousand pages, if I wanted to have human beings write that, you know, it would probably take you're 30 about landing, days.
0: you talking about landing pages?
2: Yeah. 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 It would probably take, you know, our standard thing is like 30 days. So I'd have to go and find X number of writers who could, first, we'd have to create a brief, like this is how you do it then we'd have to like assign it out to a bunch of different writers and then we'd have to edit it. So that would take, let's say 30 days. Um, but now I can create the brief and I have the system and I can do it in less than a week now that, and cause the editing is a cakewalk, right? It's, it's the writing. That's the hard part. Um, so I think this is gonna, for, for, People who are kind of know how to figure this stuff out, I think it's going to enable us to iterate faster, which is really, for SEO at least, is like the key to success is iteration um, and testing. Um, and for these big sites, iteration and testing at scale is what's going to move the needle.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wonder about the sort of generic quality of, you know, editing is the important point here, but I wonder about the sort of the generic quality of the copy that'll come out of these systems.
2: So... We, we, we wonder about that, too. So there's a couple of things we've learned um, so far about it. Um, so it's all about what you train the model on. So as an example, if you just take GPT-3 and use it, it's going to suck. Or it's it'll be okay. It'll be what I call a clever idiot, right? Um, but these aren't like, you know, we're not writing Shakespeare-type pages. Um, but if you train, let's say, the model on, I don't know, Home Depot's location pages, right, right? Or the top pages that the top location pages that rank for the search queries you want to rank for, you're going to get a much better indication. A much better, you're going to get there faster. And then, um, and then you've got to also anticipate, you know, all these AI checkers, uh, and so you've got to dumb down the writing. So, as an example, uh, Google. I think Google recommends you write for in the U.S. at least write. I think it's like for 8th grade audience.
0: For, for a 2nd grade audience?
2: I think it's 8th grade, but 2nd grade makes sense or something. But but so anyhow, so we're like, okay, we're going to write for a 6th grade and really try to dumb it down. I don't even um, know what
0: that means exactly. I mean, you can simplify it, but I mean, there's no way to calibrate that to some reading level. Oh,
2: it's it's all like a score. There's tools that will score the re- your your um your grammar. It's based on right? sentence length, words length, word vocabulary. Yeah. There are tools. Yeah. Do that. So, and so everyone's like, oh, Google will figure this out. And I think Google will figure a lot of things out. And this isn't done necessarily to trick Google. This is done so we could write good stuff at scale.
0: Sure. Um,
2: Hopefully, that's the goal at least. But I can tell you, like, we've launched template driven pages like insert keyword and other keyword here. And it's basically the same thing. And I'm thinking of one site we did this last summer. And I would say, it's not that it's bad content. It's just that it's not like
0: amazing no personality. content.
2: But it performs yeah, like, well. It's their fastest growing page type. And so, exactly.
1: Google. And part of that is Google because the search query silo is localized. And so, it's not, Google's not comparing that localized page against some other localized search query silo. It stands this, out in the, that context as an adequate page.
2: This is a, in this case, this isn't a local query. Um, it's a national query. It's a so it's um it's like e-commerce queries. So think of it like um, I don't know, uh, uh, we um, we sell I don't know Ford cars that are green, right? And Ford cars that are, Ford cars that are red. Uh, it's really the kind of the dumbest form of of smart content. And it's um anyhow. So so my point is that um, Google still has a hard time. Dealing with non AI-driven kind of lowbrow content, um, so it's. Uh, I, I'm not convinced that it's suddenly going to figure out all this AI stuff. And again, if you're doing it just to make the page good, not to make it so it it it's kind of like a spun thing that sucks. Like I don't see why Google should care.
0: Well, right. I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting philosophical uh, question because Google is going to. Have to deal with this in i mean it's already happening and it's just going to get more and more and more and they don't explicitly say ai is uh verboten they say automated content you know they they sort of dance around it and they imply that if there's enough human intervention then it's going to be fine but i don't know how they're going to know other than some scoring methodology you know like some of the tools that exist today
1: i think the language yeah. was if it's useful to the users it's a value Google's going so to is that it, is, but I, which means that they can measure that because if people hit that, well, base, is that behavioral it, signals?
0: Please, is that behavioral signals?
1: Yeah, they can measure. I mean, that's just, you can yes, see that in, in the, the index, index. they measure those signals. And every, everybody thinks Google does as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think I think there were some articles that su- pointed to some Larry Page comments that suggested behavioral signals were being considered at least early on
2: my 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 pet theory is that the the they put um a marker in their um algorithm the day GP chat GPT 3 came out and they're evaluating any page that was updated after that um with some new thing uh to say okay cuz i mean there was ai stuff before that but um now Jasper. it's probably a contagion right
0: well, they're just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tools now. It seems like every day I'm seeing, like, here are the 50 top things, and here's the, you know, it just it, seems like it's proliferating, you know, like amazing. mushrooms after some, yeah. you know, rainstorm. But they're
2: all just they're all just GPT three, <laughs> like, like yeah. with a with a little logo on top, right?
1: Well, so do, do you think there'll be a new job title, Andrew, that uh, person
2: who constructs GPT queries? Absolutely. Um, yeah it's it's funny that's what I was um I was discussing with someone yesterday is um it, like like image like I don't know if you played around with mid-journey or any of those image AI things they're they're yeah. kind of I'm, I'm obsessed with them a bit and that's all about learning how to prompt them and yeah. so I could see like going to upwork and being like, mm-hmm. I need a thousand images and there's a guy like I am an expert AI prompt prompter for images and VP of AI things. prompting. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's
0: it's it's absolutely true. There's a Anthropic, which is a, a competitor to uh, OpenAI, which was formed by some ex OpenAI people, and they have a uh, their tools called Claude. They've got a ton of jobs on their site, and they are uh, they have one of them. I think I forget the title. I'm not looking at it. It's like a prompt engineer or something. Is you know? Yeah. So they they've created a formal job title, and they have the pay range there, and I think it's like 300k for somebody who's just going to sit there and prompt and prompt and prompt and prompt it's the
2: best job um uh, uh, check out promptbase.com that's a prompt marketplace like it's like it, people it's,
0: selling like, prompts
2: I'm pretty sure yeah like hey like, like this is how you build a you know like a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger in AI or something like here you go right there'll be these Five
0: prepackaged bucks. prompts for yeah but so then then does the out does the output then become a um a, a, like is the prompt the, the intellectual property that that then turns the outcome into the property of the person who wrote the prompt? I don't know <laughs> unanswered. All right, so let's let's move on to to me and our final uh, topic today, which is also uh, an AI related topic um, so the the idea there was a discussion on LinkedIn about AI and and uh, fake reviews and how would AI impact? sort of the problem of fake reviews, which Google has been stepping up its efforts, enforcement efforts against recently. And so what I did, you know, my, my, my operating assumption is that people will be generating a lot of fake reviews using AI. And so what I did just to test out that theory is I went to chat GPT. I said, write a five-star review for this business colon. And I input the website. This was, a, this was my dentist. I, I input the dentist website and it, it turned out a, a glowing review that referenced dental specifics and sounded very credible, very plausible. Um, you know, and, and presumably an AI checker would flag that, but I can tell you that the AI text classifier that OpenGPT or OpenGPT OpenAI released two days ago, uh, I, I ran a whole bunch of chat GPT content through it and it didn't catch most of it, like it was uncertain. In many cases, like it didn't say, yeah, this is a hundred percent AI generated. This was its own tool, and it didn't. It was not successful in most cases. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I could imagine some one of these one of these review farms, you know, offshore somewhere, using these tools to just explode the number of reviews that are available. and one,
1: one thing to Google's credit recently is that the New review filter is much more about context than it is about content, and uh, they, and so you'd have to also at the simultaneously increase your understanding of the, and place these through VPNs. They'd have to look like they're local. They can't become you know. There's a some number of the, sig- some of
0: the folks do that. Some of the companies do that. Right. So it, it's going to lead to an
1: escalation local. for sure combining AI with all of the other tools. But Google is, to lot, and they're looking at specific categories more than others. They're looking at length of the listing.
2: So I'd like to go out on a limb and, and pose a, a question to the panel or a reaction. So I would say across the board, every multi-location business we've ever worked with, they cared about the reviews, meaning, oh, what's our are we five stars or four stars but they didn't care enough to do anything about them right Meaning they don't respond it's such, to them it's too many it's too it's whatever and i wonder if google is the same way cuz google right should have solved this problem a long time ago but review farms are a thing and maybe google doesn't even care that much about them cuz maybe at a scale consumers don't really care that much about them i don't i don't know about you i rarely read reviews of on Google of local businesses, I look at the star rating. Maybe um, if there's a few reviews, and maybe it's a real high um, consideration thing, like a doctor or a dentist or a something. Maybe I'll read them. But I wonder if this is a problem. Sure, like I think Greg, you're right. It's going to become like a huge AI-driven <laughs> farm. And I think I wonder if that just means leads Google to going. You know, screw reviews. Like we've got we can barely support Google Business Profile stuff without licking about the review stuff.
0: Do you- do you want me to respond, Mike, or do you want to respond? <laughs> the, uh, the The only thing I can respond with is they have
1: gotten more serious in the last six months in terms of dealing with these cases. But they fo- they don't focus on multi location because, as you pointed out, multi location don't even pay attention. They focus yeah. on uh, home services, home construction, real estate, these small businesses that seem to repeatedly violate terms and basically what they've done is they've essentially shut those people off for the first six months of their listing and then after that it's still a struggle so what they've done is they've targeted uh, these very niche markets to put in place filters and they're trying to refine those filters i am personally responsible for training these new this new ai um right But it's very targeted. It's not broad based. It's not across the whole ecosystem. It's against certain certain types of businesses, certain types
2: of behaviors, certain markets, etc. So that alone says to me they don't really care, right? Because you said, okay, it's like they're using a blunt instrument. Turn it off for six months. So that's easy, I guess. Uh, But and then, no offense, Mike, but like you're one guy, right? Training the AI. I'm sure they have maybe. Fifty-one guys training the AI, but um, they uh, just,
1: They have all yeah. the product text which is about fifty. They basically drive the process away from their support into the forums, where we then, where they assume that these are false positives. So anything we give them, they then I assume use to yeah. define this on these mostly limited categories right so you're right it's
2: yeah but they can
1: still turn around and say hey we've deleted well, 25% of all reviews thought, you're, all you're right. inferring
0: you're inferring that you're the the trainers of the ai which you probably are but google hasn't explicitly said that to you
1: no they haven't said that but what, why else would i be there
0: yeah well so so well cuz cuz they they they're as you said in your article they're outsourcing support they're outsourcing yeah. support to 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 but people.
1: why would they defer this particular question Support can't even answer. They say, this is working as intended, but we are allowed to escalate it in the forum. So that I, I whole think relationship it's, is strange.
0: I think, Andrew, that you're right, that Google on one level doesn't care. I mean, they've been able to hide behind the whole Communications Decency Act, Section 230, which doesn't, there's no liability for any content that appears anywhere on Google. So there are no consequences. Um, the FTC you know, has made an effort to step up its prosecution or identification and punishment of review fraud, but it can't go after the platforms. I mean, it sort of can, but it it doesn't, it can't at this point. So it has to go over individual, it has to go after individual offenders and it can't, it doesn't have the enforcement uh, firepower to do that. So, you know, we've but it has this.
1: enough nuked reviews now that it can go back to FTC and say, Gee, we did all these reviews. We're doing well, right? Yeah. So, Google. Right.
0: So, so that was my other point: is that it. You know, we've often talked about the Europeans who have many more regulations now in place than in the U.S. And so, the the Digital uh, Services Act, and I, I, I always DMA and DSA, Digital Markets Act and Digital Services Act. I believe, um, you know, services in particular targets fake reviews. You can't have disinformation. You can't have misinformation. Uh, Otherwise, you're vulnerable as a platform. So part of Google's stepped-up review moderation is an an attempt to point to this and say, hey, you pesky Europeans, we're doing something. It's all in good faith. Um, You do have, you know, Curtis Boyd and his company, the Transparency Company, can can do this. They can do this at scale. They can detect fake reviews. One of the things they look at is that they look at the review profile. And they, and they look at the who the reviewer is, the review source, which seems to me to be a much more effective uh, approach, although they do look at the text and they look at a whole bunch of stuff, than I, looking at the content of the review.
2: I, I think it's just, it, it's, it's just, I don't want to say it's an insurmountable problem, but it's just going to be a never-ending thing, especially as you pointed out, like now you can generate reviews at scale with AI. Um, and so, sure, they'll get rid of 25% and then... A billion more reviews will show up tomorrow right well, the
0: reason the reason that you don't look at reviews anymore and that you know I don't look at reviews on Amazon at all, uh, I still look at them occasionally on Google and Yelp and other places um, is because there's so much garbage in there, and you know it, right and so so I think mm-hmm. that this is starting to to permeate the broader consumer landscape is that people are conscious of review fraud. They don't know exactly how pervasive it is. they don't know they can't recognize it in the moment. But they know it's there. And so they're looking at multiple sites trying to see consensus, or they're disregarding reviews entirely, which is why younger people in part are going to TikTok to get things like restaurant recommendations, because there's a human there, they can see the interior, and it's in you know, the review the review world has become so polluted that it's unreliable. It's now just a sort of a directional indicator in a way that you can't rely on.
2: I actually think like when it comes to Google business profiles, um, photos and videos are much more helpful for almost any type of business. Well, that's,
0: that's the TikTok rationale. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Like I want to see the inside of the restaurant. I want to see the jobs, the pest control guy has worked on. Right. Well, and in fact, in,
0: in, in, the, in the Google, I think it was the search on event whenever that happened in the fall, you know, they, they were talking about, they were talking about all these, there it was a lot of local stuff, maps and local and AR and they started talking about all these other things that you could get out of the Google business profile to help you help you learn about a business they were talking about vibe they were talking about um, you know non reviews they they it, i really it was very yeah. subtle it was very subtle but i felt like they were really downplaying reviews and trying to play up other things that were competitive with sites like tiktok and instagram where you were going to yeah. get the visual information you were going to get all this other non textual information to help you know to appeal to younger users who want yeah i think you
1: can see this in the interface where reviews are only presented in summary at totals and it's multiple clicks to get into a review and particularly to see a bad review it it's very deeply buried in the
0: interface so I, i i assume that's part and parcel of the same well in mobile and mobile users where a lot of the action is you just there's no way to like read a bunch of reviews i mean at best you read one or two of the most recent reviews you look at the star rating you know and sort of I, hope I, for the best
2: I, yeah i think what you want is like their whatever their ai thing when they come out with it is it'll just tell me it's like hey andrew i know you this place isn't for you move on like keep scrolling like that's what i want
0: that's
1: well, there, back to you know, the hot pot it, days, Andrew, from 2010. <laughs> well,
0: so so there was a guy. There was a guy. The guy I'm 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 blanking on his name. He was he rose up in the ranks. I, I it, it, embarrassing to me that I can't remember his name. Um, there was a guy who who was one of their. He 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 sort of became one of their analytics gurus uh, ultimately. And I think he's gone from Google now, but I don't I don't remember. But he he created a he created a a a local. Uh, application that they were calling for a time Alfred as in Batman's Butler. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a couple of names and I talked to him before it got, it got acquired by Google. It was like an echo hire thing. And what they were going to do was they were going to com- create, this was a really interesting idea, Pandora for the real world. So, you know, place, places places <laughs> It's not know, a like, good thing. Greg. Well, I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> well, this is this is the this is the VC Pitch deck speak. Right. But, 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 um, it's called but the epochs. Well the the idea was that they were identifying they were identifying similar places, places that had similar characteristics. And um, you know, that, that oh, was Oh Pandora the,
2: the the music app. I think you meant Pandora the Greek myth where pestilence was let loose on the world. <laughs>
0: No, that was yes. You're more uh, more learned than I. No, I was talking about Pandora, the radio, the radio. The I got industry. it. Yeah, well, as opposed to Pandora, the fictional world in the movie Avatar, where right. the pan, the planet or whatever it is. Um. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it was really an interesting idea that what they were going to try and identify places that were similar in the world and tie those to your tastes and make recommendations to you, and it never it never came. It never came to fruition because Google snapped it out of the 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 vaporware world. I mean, it wasn't vaporware before um, before uh, it had a chance really to
2: to launch. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I think yes. most of this stuff is going to for for local businesses is going to remain in the realm of there's a problem. It may not really be a problem, but it drives me crazy because there's a bad review. Can someone fix that? Like that's what it's going to be. Yes. Okay. It's and bad. on those.
0: That- on that uh, helpful and optimistic note, we come to the end of another exciting episode. Thank you, Andrew Shatland, for, for joining us. As always, subscribe to our newsletter. Tell your friends about our podcast and our newsletter. And Andrew, anything you want to say? Uh, not I, I just t- want to totally thank you both, yes.
2: both for selflessly giving 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 your all every week, really. We, we see you and we, we appreciate
0: it. Yeah, that sounds like sarcasm to me, Andrew. <laughs>
2: No, oh, that's heartfelt. Okay. That's AI. you
0: never can tell the difference. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Now everything I write is now generated by AI. I'm just slapping my byline on it. So
2: yeah,
0: yeah. they need somebody needs to create an AI with a kind of snark snark dial that you can dial up or dial down. It,
2: we were trying with my daughter last night. Um, I, we were like running some queries through ChatGPT on um, on uh, I forgot some 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 geometry thing or something. And we started like, well, well, what if we had to figure this out during a zombie apocalypse? And actually, ChatGPT got a little snarky.
0: Oh, that's good. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. As always, have a good week, wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening to this. And uh, thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.